0: Hey, welcome to Mario Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we are two industrial designers in New York City. We are.
1: This is true. These are facts. Nobody sent us a tagline. No. Thanks a lot. But that's not bad. We are two industrial designers in New York City.
0: It's to the point. Yeah. Might not be the most exciting tagline.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nick and James were two young industrial designers in New York City. And little did they know... They were about to start a podcast. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, that's James's radio's vo- radio voice. Yeah, that's my movie trailer voice. But this is a, this is a romantic comedy about us moving to New York, starting a podcast and finding love.
0: That's our movie next year. We're starting a movie.
1: Yes. We are kickstarting a movie. Production starts regardless of how much we get in September. You know, all the streets in New York are going to be shut down. Right. So everybody's an extra. If you're walking around, you've given us license to use you in the movie.
0: Speaking of movies, I've been doing some video stuff this week, James. Oh yeah, yeah. I've uh, you know, I've been redoing my space. As you can see, if you're watching the YouTube video, yes, I've decorated a little bit. I've made the corner of my room a bit nicer. I guess it was like this last week. But Are I've you? improved some of the other parts of my room. This
1: space? Oh, I thought you meant your MySpace. Oh, no, no. James. <laughs> you weren't redoing your MySpace? No. I Okay. James. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm on board. Got it.
0: Oh, man. You're living back in 2000. <laughs> um, but I pinned up some sketches, which you can't really see in the video. But I'm sure you guys will see it soon. And I also pinned up this entire back wall
1: with uh, foam, like acoustic yeah. foam. Yeah, uh, so now I don't sound like I'm recording from the balcony.
0: Right, from from the bottom of a barrel or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there's been some comments that James sounds like he's five feet away from the mic, and I don't know how to fix it, you guys. We just need an a, audio technician or something.
1: I got a message recently that said <laughs> that my audio sounds a lot better. That's
0: good. We've been working on it. We've been working on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been working on my Patreon thing. I did a recording of my chair sketch, because that was a very uh, highly requested thing. People right. want to see how I sketch my chairs.
1: So are you saying that you are actually filming your iPad yes. as your... It's not just the time lapse no. and you talking over it.
0: No, it's it was a two-hour long video with my Ooh! iPhone, you know, sketching on the iPad, you know, with the pencil and everything, and doing some narration to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about editing it, but I think that would be too... <laughs> I think that'd be a lot of editing to f- edit out two hours. No, I know a
1: video editor James. that comes at a reasonable price. <laughs> I,
0: you want to edit it? am going start a
1: Patreon video. to edit
0: your videos. <laughs> a Patreon for my Patreon. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, if, I, I don't, do we mention Patreon in the last episode? I think we did. It's like a Kickstarter for like makers that you can pay a monthly, like $5 and I provide you guys with extra exclusive content. Yeah. But the one thing I learned is that making an hour-long video with your iPhone it takes up seven gigabytes of space. Yeah. And my iPhone only has three gig- gigabytes of free space.
1: So. <laughs> Did it cut out in the middle? Uh, multiple times, and it was a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also holding out with your 6. Yeah,
0: iPhone 6. I'm waiting for the next one.
1: I don't understand. I I usually go in a two two year cycle. I think majority of people do a two year cycle. Yeah. I'm on my third year. I like to think of it as
0: not only a uh, cost-effective option but a also an environmentally friendly option.
1: I see. Mm-hmm. Um so you're better than us. Uh <laughs> well they also have this new... I, we might have talked about this before, but they have this new program where you are basically in like the iPhone club, and they send you a new one when it comes out. Right. You just pay monthly.
0: Right, and that's the one that's the worst for the environment, because you get the newest <laughs> one
1: every single time. Is it, is it the worst, or is it the best because Apple is then recycling they, the phone? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. They obviously
0: recycle their phones when you send them back, but yeah. um, they're still energy that goes into right, manufacturing right and stuff that's a that's a whole other topic we still haven't tackled our tackled our sustainability topic
1: uh, we we have, have a little bit we, we've done bits and pieces and i'm surprised here and that it didn't start the flame war that i thought it might have oh,
0: we should we should go full on
1: oh gosh let me tell you nick i, I have to tell you about a flame war yeah? that apparently i've started yeah <laughs> which is i uh i just one night when i got back from vacation i decided hey I'm gonna sketch up some coffee tampers. Right. I make uh, cappuccinos every morning for right. the for the wife and I in
0: the espresso machine, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, all I'm doing by by displaying these uh, concepts is displaying my ignorance when it comes to <laughs> coffee tamping. You can-
0: never dive into coffee world because it's it's some high stakes
1: stuff. Yeah. Coffee. The coffee world. I mean. Uh, yeah, I I should have known better.
0: You're you're either a coffee snob or a peasant in that world.
1: Yes, because that's the thing is like I am clearly not doing the proper tamping.
0: There's no middle ground. <laughs> there is no middle ground. You are a peasant. Yeah.
1: So I I mean I I put out these tampers yesterday that were sort of refined. I did like a sketch, um, uh, a sketch round of concepts, and then I did an Illustrator round. I actually
0: I actually noticed the illustrator round because i thought it was unique how you just the aesthetic style of those mm-hmm. concepts and you know forgive forgive me if i'm wrong but did you do those on your iphone i did not oh but it was done with adobe illustrator uh yeah it was done with illustrator oh i thought i saw some sort of app that you had posted about in the comments
1: oh i uh, i some don't some vector so. app oh no 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 i just i called out of a, a vector instagram Inspiration. Um, yeah, well just to say like, hey, like there there are a a, a vector Instagram that will repost vector images. Got it, got it, and, you know, okay. that people got create. It. Okay. Um so there is there is an app, I think it's called Assembly that's mm-hmm. like for your phone and it and it's a it's a vector based uh creation app, which is kinda cool. I've played around with it a little bit. Um because I'm always looking for those underdogs, the that underdog software. Right. Because like Adobe, who's coming after Adobe? We don't
0: we don't we don't want to support those big fat cats.
1: Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No way. Um but uh, yeah, chewing on their cigars up in their <laughs> ivory towers. Uh but um yeah, so I, I released that and somebody so all of my all of my tampers on the bottom were kind of these half spheres. Mm-hmm and somebody was saying that the reason that there's a platform on the tamper is for your fingers. For you to apply even pressure with your fingers, <laughs> so so the the top of the tamp, the handle goes into your palm, and then your fingers go on that pedestal. Oh wow! I had no idea. Wow! No idea. Mm, so you get completely even pressure. Yeah. but this is, I yeah this is to your point. Is is this just the nitty gritty? Is are we talking to the experts here? I'm about
0: I'm about to make all the experts cry Do because it. I have a cheapo. Thirty dollar Amazon espresso machine. Yes, and it doesn't even come with a tamper. It comes with a spoon that you scoop with, and the bottom of the spoon is flat. So oh like, yeah, kind of like I just kind of like press it in there, yeah. scooch it around, press it down. <laughs> and like
1: yeah, it works. Yeah. Well, I had one of those originally that came with my espresso machine, and then I bought a tamper. Mm. Because I was like, I'm going to be legit. It,
0: it is actually something that I've been wanting to like get or make or something. It's It seems like something I could 3D print easily. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how clean it would be, but.
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's important that the bottom it's is smooth. like, yeah, smooth.
0: Isn't there a tool that you can add holes into the Espresso?
1: uh Uh, maybe i don't know this i'm real. we're really displaying our ignorance right now (laughs) the experts are going why they're over caffeinated just yelling at their screens (laughs) they're throwing their iphones right now yeah throwing their iphones Mm -hmm. across the subway but yeah i mean so today in response to this even pressure thing i thought well what if i do something a little bit different so i do I, i i made this tamper that it's a tamper but then there's Essentially, a loop that comes off of it down below the tamper, so you're pulling Whoa. down on it.
0: That's crazy, James.
1: And I was like, well, maybe this, like, rather than pushing down, maybe yeah. pulling down would you might, provide you
0: might get even more even more, pressure,
1: more even pressure. But then now people are saying that what you're supposed to do with the tamper <laughs> or with the porta filter is put it on a counter and then push down so mm, the right. can, so the counter is providing i've never done that. Well, i've always been just in my but now holding you, it up in the air
0: but then your response to that is you just make like a wall mount system that you can just pull
1: <laughs> you, it should just be like one of those can crushers there you go <laughs> see see we're, um,
0: we're, we're game changing here
1: i don't know honestly i think i might just end up going back to one of the simple ones that i was doing on the uh second round
0: i think it's fine i also think you should make one and i'll buy one from you james because yeah. i need one
1: yeah, I well that one, yeah, I I don't know. We I could keep diving into these concepts, but I feel like we should move on because because honestly, like from one flame war to another, uh, you know, did you see the new Logitech mouse, Nick?
0: Yeah, I I saw this. Uh, I think it was on Fast Company. I saw an article, and Logitech, of course, we love their design. They've been putting out some good design lately, and they recently put out a new very ergonomic mouse yeah and it's kind of unique in the way that it has some similarities to your mouse concept that you did i don't know a couple months ago yeah we actually talked about your mouse a little bit on the podcast yes but yeah just fresh everyone's memory what did your mouse look like
1: oh it was a volcano
0: it was a volcano shape it, but it also had the slot it was like a slotted volcano shape right
1: it was yeah it was or like a, a volcano a, to a pill
0: yeah volcano to a
2: pill
1: yeah mm-hmm. um and uh, but it was I, I would say as a as compared to the Logitech mouse I would say um, it it's a lot more vertical and symmetrical uh, as compared to the Logitech
0: right. So the Logitech was is similar in yours that it had that pill shape at the top, but it would also the Logitech one was also slanted and it had a lot more curvature on it so I f- it kind of filled in your hand yeah you know essentially instead of like resting your hand on the table you're kind of resting the pinky side of your hand on the mouse kind of like you're sliding on an oven mitt in a way right and that's how the logitech one works and that's how yours work too mm-hmm. but the one thing that i liked about yours that i didn't like about the logitech is that yours was left right-handed yeah ambidextrous
1: yeah yeah one of the details that i was kind of uh I guess in love with, in a way with my own, which is never good when you fall in love with details or ideas, but the, uh, the scroll wheel, um, was, uh, went around the front of the mouse to the other side. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of this full ring so you could use it left or right handed. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it's it's interesting i mean i think that the logitech one is probably a lot more successful in terms of ergonomics than than mine was
0: yeah i would say that the logitech looks more comfortable i haven't tried it yet
1: because i i think that i mean i don't know i i think that like at the it it achieved the angle that everybody was yelling at me to put on my mouse and I feel like with that angle, it's very difficult to make a mouse that's for left and right handers. Right.
0: And that that is the drawback of doing that. the ambidextrous mouses, is that when you do an ambidextrous mouse, it's just off the bat going to be slightly less ergonomic than a right-handed or left-handed. Along.
1: Right. Um, but I do like... I, I like that the Logitech mouse, it doesn't look overly ergonomic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Uh,
0: there are a ton of those really funky-looking ergonomic ones. Yeah. But this one had this nice kind of smooth sweeping curve to it. Right. It actually had, I think, a subtle texture on it.
1: Yeah. It's got it's got kind of a, like fas-
0: I, facets or something.
1: Yeah. It's almost I I would say it's almost like an Yves Bihar Yeah. Pattern. Right. 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 Facet pattern. Um. Yeah. Kind of like those Movado watches that they put out and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's uh. I, it's it's pretty nice. I would say I, I'm really interested in what Logitech has been up to recently with with uh, the designs that they've been producing because they they completely changed course in from, terms of their design language from the olden days or from just the, recently? from the olden days. Oh,
0: for sure, and I, I I think it's really admirable. I think yeah, it's one of these companies that actually saw that design was important and implemented right. it I mean, and you see a bunch of other like no one there's no other like dell or like all these other companies that are making mice and keyboards they don't care they just yeah. make like whatever you know <laughs> but logitech's like no we're gonna have a certain
1: aesthetic and it's gonna be a great aesthetic right they change. they even changed the logo mm-hmm. um just lo- which i thought was a nice Lodgy now. yeah which i thought was a nice update mm-hmm. i think it's just almost like a smiley face under the g yeah um but yeah, I think uh, they're 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 the case of a company that I think a lot of companies kind of give lip service to this whole like design matters thing. Yeah, yeah. But they they seem to have a real concerted effort. Exactly. To, like to exactly. change course. Right,
0: and and it's not it's not only the effort, but it's also the. It's a, it seems like a very clear direction that they're going towards. To. Right. It's not like they're saying, oh, we'll make keyboards that look Apple. Yeah. Or like, oh, let's just make things like sleek and clean. They're like, no, we're Logitech. We're going to create this Logitech branded aesthetic. Right. And it's this kind of pill shapes, um, you know, very kind of soft look. Yeah. Um, but also like this kind of new age retro tech
1: look. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think Ben Bento Box, the guy that... Oh, the yeah. blog. The blog. Yeah, the blog that mm. I um, that I brought up during that one episode. He is a designer at Logitech, and I think he did the that keyboard with the uh, like the concrete-looking rubberized. Oh, slot. Yeah, like the, goes, It had like speckled. The speckled yeah. look to it. Mm. Mm. So good. Beautiful. Oh man! Speaking of speckled, something that we haven't talked about yet is uh, blue foam dust. Yeah. The latest craze to hit the industrial design Instagram world. I've seen it. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. What do you think about it? I think it's great. I mean, I uh, you know, I wish I wish that I had gotten gotten on that on that boat before it we for, left the harbor. We
0: called for memes last week too. Yes. And where where are the memes, guys?
1: Send us memes. <laughs> we want memes of ourselves. Well, I don't know. are we really gonna call out Blue foam dust to, uh, to meme us.
0: Well, I'm not calling specifically blue foam dust, but I am saying that you guys should take this YouTube video and like chop it up and do something yeah. with it, right? Yes. Isn't, would, that, isn't that what the internet does?
1: I, I would love to see that. Um, but, uh, but just to shift back for a second to the Logitech thing, um, I think it's interesting that we see a lot these days um, accessory brands that are. Uh, that have elevated themselves to the level of what I would consider really nice design. Mm-hmm. You know, like Logitech is essentially an, an accessories brand. Yeah, Belkin has produced some really nice stuff, mm-hmm. and um, Native Union.
0: Ooh, that's a good one right there. Native Union—they do like iPhone cables and uh, iPhone accessories. Yeah, but it's—it has again that very directional aesthetic. Like, hey, we're Native Union. We're going to make our own brand. Um, but it's beautiful design. I mean, yeah. it's very clean and simple.
1: Yeah, I I love it. I love that it brings these sort of like natural textures um, to to like phone cases, like that you know, just like a wood veneer mm-hmm. or or even concrete or I, like a concreteish material. I really
0: like the one Apple Watch stand they did. It was a simply a block, like Oh, a cube, yeah. and then on top of the cube was a cylinder. Yeah, you know, very geometric, very simple. Yeah, but it obviously just fits an Apple Watch on top of the cylinder.
2: Right.
1: Simple as that. Yeah. And when you don't have an Apple Watch on it, it just, I don't know, it just kind of blends in. And um, then
0: and then there's Noli. Noli, uh, Benjamin Hubert's
1: brand. Oh, right. Brand.
0: Right, um, right, right. He did the uh, the new, like, charging and power bank cases and everything.
1: Yeah. that There is some really nice stuff there. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's great. I think... Um, I think any company that's taking on that kind of mindset, because accessories, you know, often I feel like it's this sourcing game. It's an afterthought. Yeah.
0: You know, it's like, Oh, here's the, everyone's excited about the big product. And then everyone's like, Oh, but we need a external battery, but no one really cares. Cause like, it's just an external battery. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that I'm happy to see all these like companies really pushing the game on it.
2: Yeah.
1: I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty wonderful. Um, but, uh, Nick, I think it's time for the big topic.
0: Yeah, we have a topic this week. Yeah. What's the topic, James?
1: Model making and three D printing, uh, and we're talking about physical model making, I guess, versus three D printing, or when is one appropriate? Right. Um. Or so like can, in, can one replace the other?
0: Like in general, you know, it's it's this idea of we have these new digital fabrication tools, whether it be three D printing, laser cutting, whatever it is. Versus the old fashioned you know carving foam going into the wood shop, building something mm-hmm. and are we losing a bit of that that magic that happens in the shop hmm. with three d printing and with um laser cutting and things like that yeah and i i mean you know me i I love making things I'm yes. a big maker i at scad we made every single product we designed and like i i i stand by the model making thing Mm -hmm. but i don't know like i think that digital fabrication tools are very helpful as
1: well yeah yeah i um i will say for myself it was a struggle for me to get into the shop yeah To like push myself to get into the shop
0: In, in terms of the fact that it was really far away or like
1: no, in terms of the fact that I was uncomfortable in the shop. Oh,
0: like with the tools? Yes. Because there's dangerous tools in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think just the mindset of how to construct something, like in terms of building out a model of a form, especially like, you know, in school when you're making like very organic forms or yeah. whatever that the whole process of thinking through how to execute that where you know and in conjunction like having learned CAD and learning how to build those forms within CAD and right. then trying to figure out how to do that in the shop there it's, was it's there a whole was step a, there was a disconnect for me for sure because I grew up I mean I grew up mostly just kind of like drawing and dreaming right and um, and there was no there was no real uh I, like, I wouldn't say that, like, there was, there were any handy people in my family. Uh, I see. So there was no, there was no, like, oh, we're going to build something this weekend. Oh,
0: my, my dad, he's, he's
1: the handy person in my family. He'll take anything and put duct tape and some
0: few drywall screws in it and make it a, (laughs) it could, it could, it could lift a car if you, I don't know. I don't know even what it is, but, like, we've made so much stuff when I was a kid.
1: So, I mean.
0: I think it's, like, a kind of a thing you're raised on right in a way
1: yeah so i mean for you nick do you feel like that 3d printing could never replace physical model making
0: um no i think it is replacing physical model making i think like in the day in the day this day and age like students aren't carving blue foam anymore they're just like 3d printing stuff but the
1: but my question is 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 that a good thing in your mind?
0: In my mind, I think maybe I'm a bit romantic, mm-hmm. but I think it's a bit of a bad thing. Mm. I uh, I know you had sent me this image um, of Knack Design Studio. Yeah. They were creating a set of cutlery and mm-hmm. spoon or tableware. Flatware? Flatware?
2: Yeah, flatware.
0: Um, you know, spoon, knife, fork. And you're like, look at this. Look at these. I think this is how design process should be done. I was like, I think the design's great. But I kind of disagree with you because Mm -hmm. what they did is they 3D printed the fork and the spoon and the the knife. Yeah. Um, And they were very sculpted forms, Mm. right? The handles were very curvature or curvilinear. Um, And I was like, I kind of feel like the process I would have liked to seen is seen a whole like spread of you know, foam models that were carved and curved by hand, mm-hmm. and then evaluated those. And once you evaluate them, you can kind of tweak them and stuff. Yeah. And then go into 3D printing. Because I think there's a missing step there. In, in my opinion, I think the design's great. Like, mm-hmm. you know, g- good job. But I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I liked that project for the uh analysis of a brand and the brand language and sort of like the subtlety between mm-hmm. forms uh because sometimes you can think about like doing a flatware project and you're like oh god like everybody like they've done everything
0: oh yeah well also I love flatware so I'd be all about it
1: yeah but, but um but yeah I'm um I don't know a couple things a couple things came to mind I mean I think uh I mean, when it comes to that kind of scale, especially with model making, I would fear like, like as I'm, as I'm modeling something that fine, I would just end up snapping something (laughs) or you
0: got the Dremel out and you just go, yeah, and it just goes straight
1: through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, it kind of reminds me of something that I started doing when I was, um, when I was doing kitchen wares, which was, I mean, we were 3D printing all the time. We were often in CAD all day, print overnight, come in, evaluate. Right. And and to be fair, that's how
0: we did it at Petmate, too. And, mm-hmm. and really, any of the big companies you work at now, 3D printing is pretty much the standard. You don't do a lot of foam modeling um, unless you want to, I guess. Yeah. I did a little bit at Petmate just because... Um, I think we mentioned it. I was doing the, the leashes where it was very uh, tactile with your hand. And I just felt like 3D printing would not give me that feedback, instant right. feedback that I needed. Right. But you were doing a lot of that at the the kitchenware company.
1: Yeah, I was doing that. But I was also... um, I found some clay. And I was actually packing clay onto the models.
2: Mm, that's, and
1: then hmm. using that to... Uh, to alter the form i like that because i I can get behind that because i think that there's i don't know i i think that um like i also remember uh at peloton when they were developing the treadmill which um which has launched a, a lot of what they were doing was they would print out sort of the shape of the um of the tread yeah um, because they weren't iterating on that, they were iterating on the arms and the back, right? And so, and, and they were doing these small scale models. Okay. So they were just printing out these guys, and then and then building building off of that. You know, they would they build three D prints or clay? Uh, they were using no, they were using foam. Oh, they foam. were okay. they were using they were cutting foam like, like but, foam core or like foam core. Okay. Um, you know, like foam boards? Right, right. right. You know, um. Which I thought was really, like, was really nice because basically you could just, like, if my memory serves me, I think that this is what happened. Um, But, yeah, like, you could print out a bunch of... It was, like, basically like a pill-shaped extrusion for the the tread. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you print a bunch of those out and then you just start building models off of that. Right. So I think that there's, like, there's this really nice mix of things that you can do now. I I mean, I remember a quirky, I was using the laser cutter like mad. <laughs> like I, I actually, and this is a tip for, for people that are going into internships. One of the things that I did during that internship was, and I think Reed was actually the one who talked about this with me before I went into the internship. was like, you know, he kind of had this idea of, go into an internship and say to the person, this is something that I won't really want to learn how to do better. And, and like just that sort of initiative. Um, I, I think like, I remember going to one of the designers at quirky and saying to him, I really want to get better at model making. Mm-hmm. And his face like immediately lit up and he was like, awesome. Like, you know, like we, we have to make models for they had to make models for all of their rendering photo shoots because they would do at the end of uh, an initial design cycle um when they posted the like sort of finalish idea to the site they would do a photo shoot and but then they would have models in place uh, oh right and then they would superimpose them with renderings yeah yeah and so i i um started doing all of those models and were
0: they just like cardboard or foam core models yeah they
1: were just they were they were really simple they were either yeah foam or cardboard or yeah i use a lot of hot glue and a lot of cardboard and here's
0: another model making thing that we hadn't Sorry. touched on yet is yeah is the cardboard um you know visibility studio yes i always see them posting their cardboard models yeah they, I don't see, like, foam models or anything. They're always doing cardboard, which right. is kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a different aesthetic. And for me, it's, I, I think there's a certain degree of using the, the, the best material for the job. Right. You know, foam is great for things that are very curvature, like surfacing, uh, trying to get those surfaces right, it's maybe something that fits in your hand, mm-hmm. um, something very surface heavy. Um, but a larger object that maybe is more rectilinear, I think cardboard or foam core is great. Right. Um, and then three D printing, like you said, like you could do small miniature three D printed models. But yeah, I here's another here's another thing that I've been thinking about too. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what you know what side you're on, like building or not building the final prototype, I think there is. Like you were saying, James, it's like it's tough to design something in CAD, render it out, and they realize, like, oh, I need to go to the shop, and then on top of that, figure out how to make it. Like, that's a whole other step mm-hmm. of the design process. But I think there's a lot of value in just learning how things are made right. when you have to make it yourself. Right. And, you know, regardless of whether or not you'll get to do that in the real world or if you are doing it in the real world. I think that just understanding how things are cut, how things are manufactured, how things are fabricated, um, and having that hands-on experience yeah. has a lot of value to it. Yeah. And that's still why I, I'm a big champion of that physical aspect to design
1: process. Right. Do you ever, do you ever feel like, um, you know, w- when you're talking about uh, how you would advocate for that type of process, um, I think about the, the types of things that I advocate for in the design process, and sometimes I wonder: Am I somebody who's now shouting in the face of progress? <laughs> like, am I? Am are we? I are the... we those old fogies now? Yeah, because because uh, occasionally I'll get I'll get sort of uh, you know the instruction to do a certain thing a certain way, and I, and my initial feeling is like. That's, like, the old way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't... <laughs> These kids are like,
0: no, Nick and James, we don't have to make it anymore. We just 3D print and laser. Yeah,
1: kind of... yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, like you said, like, there is a certain time for um, for using certain materials. Uh, certainly, like, for for the Muji pen hanger, like the, the MakerBot thing that I did... I was like, the only way that I really thought that I could even prototype that thing was purely through 3D printing. Yeah, I
0: think that was, yeah, that was definitely the correct way to do it. Yeah. I think you shouldn't, You, I don't think you really needed to do laser cut or like carving foam, like 3D printing for that project yeah.
1: was good. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's good advice to, you know, consider, consider the project at hand and consider, you know. Yeah, like I remember in school doing really like ergonomic forward type, you know, handles and things and being able to like sand off a bit more. Of of you know the foam or whatever, or
0: glue that that dust back on. You ever, you ever <laughs> had to do that? Oh, that's bad. Did you do that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh no. But I have I have used a lot of bondo though. You ever have uh, to use bondo? I never used bondo. Or I know some people use like spackle or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's your additive process. You add that stuff back on. When
1: you do <laughs> no, but it you know I think it is project dependent. But the but the thing is is that a lot of a lot of places that you're going to end up working won't necessarily have a full shop yeah. at your disposal so you know what do you do if you only have a 3D printer at your disposal yeah
0: and and I, I like i don't think that just because you don't build things you're a bad designer i just think that there is that extra little bit that extra little inch of value in actually physically creating right and you know maybe i might argue if you want to be like top of your game, top of your class, like actually make the thing mm-hmm. that you're rendering out. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's I, my opinion.
1: Well, but. <laughs> well, I had, I have one more, I had another question for you, which is like, um, oh gosh. Sorry, I'm totally blanking. We're going to have to cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but uh, Well,
0: well, I'll say this. Um, I think about my strap chair, right? Mm-hmm. There, the strap chair was a making thing. Right. Like, the whole idea behind that was that I could just make it right then and there. Right. And I think there was just a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a sketch is a sketch and a render is a render. But the physical strap chair
1: is it's a chair. It's a full
0: functional object that I can use. Right.
1: Um, And there's a certain satisfaction to completing a project like that where you can actually legitimately interact with it and find out and prove, you know, prove to yourself and to
2: the world
0: that it's a real thing, that it's a real thing. I mean, our job is to make physical consumer products. Mm -hmm. So getting as close as you can to that goal Without actually having to manufacture something, I think would make you a uh, a better designer, in yeah. my opinion. But
1: yeah, I um, I think I think that there's something to that. I I just think about the scenario where, you know, you're working for a company where you don't necessarily have the resources and the space to do to do things like that. And for sure. is I- there is there a good substitute? And I think the substitute, yeah, and
0: I, I, I won't say that I think you should make fully finished prototypes or physical aesthetic models. I think the the cardboard and the foam is a mm-hmm. way to go. I mean, whatever company you're working for surely can afford cardboard you know, right. if they're paying you a salary. <laughs> like, right. Um, and I think there are avenues, like you said, clay plus 3D printing, you know, there are avenues to get you. To that physical stage of the design process, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's.
1: Then how does that then feed into the VR world? Oh, I don't know. And VR <laughs> and VR sculpting.
0: <sighs> oh man, how do we bring VR into this? I I think VR is a separate thing. I think VR is actually before the model making stage. Uh huh. Um, it, from my experience, you know, VR sketching. Has that creation phase? It's kind of a a free flowing subconscious state that I'm in when I'm in the virtual world. I can just create concepts on the fly um, and see them in three dimensions, but not actually touch them. So I think the next step would be actually touch them. So you had to right. take it out of the VR into right. The physical. Right. That's where I see VR fitting in. But it it is it is encroaching upon that modeling phase of like putting cardboard together, hacking stuff together. It's accro- encroaching upon that, um, but it still lacks that physical touch.
2: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I think you make some very valid points. I don't think that you have to be a maker to be a good designer because...
0: Uh, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair statement.
1: Yeah. I, I certainly don't consider myself a maker, and I often use my maker bot (laughs) and that is my maker um in substitute of doing something physically with my with my hands uh i mean i'm like i don't know i i think in the in the sort of jobs that i've that i've been in and the sort of projects that i pursue in my own time like i'm not making those overly ergonomic things like i think if i were working for like you know, black and decker, dewalt, like, you know, some sort of power tool company or something like that. Maybe I would get more into that type of model making, but yeah. For the type of simple geometries that I'm often um creating, uh I mean, all I really need need would need from a model is just a sense of proportion. Yeah. Um otherwise, uh yeah, I mean, I can just whip something up really quickly. Uh you know, on the computer and print it out. Yeah. And, uh, verify it.
0: I think, I think that was a good, a good, uh, juxtaposition of our, our viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Should we get some questions? Yes. Um, we had a question from Rodrigo Lorette. He says, do you guys think good design is measurable? Ooh, that's an interesting question.
1: It's a, it's a very interesting question. I feel like it could be an entire topic. Yeah. Uh, Is good design measurable?
0: He's almost saying he kind of wishes that there was like a better business bureau for design, (laughs) like Uh, a better design bureau or something where like there was some sort of gauge of like, Oh, this product has four stars on good design. Isn't that
1: what Supreme is? (laughs) No. If you get that Supreme logo slapped on the product, it means it's good design. It means it's good design. That's the better business bureau. Um,
0: I mean, we do have those institutions and forums of, Awards, you know, you you got the Idea Awards, or like, right? I guess you have the Red Dot, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think necessarily a design award constitutes a good design.
1: Right. So, what to you constitutes a good design?
0: Uh, that's that's a whole like that could be a whole podcast. I don't. I feel like obviously a good design is the perfect combination of beautiful aesthetic and you know perfect functionality right maybe not perfect functionality great functionality so it's those two things i think you can have something that's beautiful um, but not functional and that's art and then you have something that's purely functional but not beautiful and that's engineering Mm -hmm. Um, and design falls in the middle right that that, that's a very general statement but I, i don't know if there's some sort of way you can measure that like is there a literal like checklist of good design yeah i i think almost what rodrigo is asking is like or is it rodrigo or rodrigo oh i said rodrigo right yeah they're asking is there a way that i can like have my design and then pull up some sort of list and say oh it has a one inch radius fillets and this and that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know is there a way to actually measure good design i i don't know i don't think so it's very it's very difficult. I mean, you can sort of use like um proportion, you know, sort of yeah. like you can uh, you can try to use things like golden ratio no, to like <laughs> to figure out <laughs> That's a whole other thing. You know, you're uh like if you have the good right proportional aesthetic and um
0: I, I, I would agree. I think design is subjective. I
1: think it's
0: subjective to to a lot of degree i don't think it's purely subjective but i think a lot of the minutiae of like you know is this radius big enough or Uh is this this line break in the right place Mm -hmm. like those small small details of you know proportion and balance and shape and form that's all subjective
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know we have a gazillion different like glasses drinking glasses they all have different shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. It's hard to
1: judge which one's better than the other, right? But I will I will provide a counterpoint to that, which is, I remember my old manager telling me the story about when he worked. He was he was an older gentleman worked at Nordstrom when he was really young, like, um, and he was in charge of like the sock wall or something, and. Um, he, uh, he was telling us this story about, like, you know, you have all these socks of different patterns, but but realistically, what people are going to buy are the black and blue socks. You know, I think design is kind of subjective up until the point of sale. And then I think there are items that just sell better than other items. so So are you
0: saying that the measurable the measurable part of good design is how much it sells. Because I don't know if I can agree with that. Like, well, there, are, there are a lot of bad design things that sell well. But does that mean they're good design? Like, I mean, you think about, like, the fidget spinner or, like, some, like, tchotchke product that, like, sold millions. Mm-hmm. But it, it used ball bearings in the place of weights. hmm You remember the first fidget spinner? It had the tri-shape? Mm-hmm. And the only reason those three extra bearings, ball bearings were on the outside was just for the weight. Right. I mean, I guess you could spin it. Yeah. You only needed the ball bearing in the center, though. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like...
1: I think you go down a dangerous road yeah. if you're looking for sales only. Yeah. But I think that there's... I don't think that sales should just be completely ignored at Ooh. the same time. What
0: about What about this as a measure, measurable asset? What about people posting on social media about a product
1: mm.
0: i mean you think about when you see i mean i don't know if you've done this or not but occasionally i go on instagram and search up some of my products i design mm-hmm. you know for, for brands like chuck it or jw um you know these dog products right and i'll see dogs like using it and you know the owner's like i just got a new toy yeah you know
1: fido loves it yeah is that
0: a measurable asset
1: I'm not sure, because cause sometimes I feel like people are just <laughs> searching for content. They're like, oh, I bought this thing. Check it out. Uh, like, are they actually happy with it, or do they just want to... Post it on social media. Post it on social media. I mean, I think that there's there's definitely something to the share. Because, like, you know, I don't know. I, I have definitely seen a, certain products shared. But it's like, I, I'm just kind of thinking about, like, something like the, the, the Werner Panton chair. The, uh, you know, the, the cantilever one-piece plastic chair.
2: Okay. You know yes. what I'm talking yep.
1: about? Mm-hmm. This, uh, I mean, this chair has, has achieved a level of infamy. And in it's purely aesthetic. And I would say not very functional. I would say that, like, obviously it functions as a chair, but it's, like, to move it around is a huge hassle. I don't know why anybody would use it for a dining room chair or anything like that, but it's, like, it's this iconic design. Yeah. It's, like, the... Like, it's the designer's design chair that everybody has adopted. (laughs) I
0: mean... That's a. Oh, this is a good topic because now we're getting to the point where designers can get can fetishize design so much, where their designs aren't even good mm. for the public, right? Like mm-hmm. in the example of this chair, like it's a beautiful chair, like aesthetically it looks amazing, but functionally it kind of lacks a bit of that that the that everyday chair that mm-hmm. you just need, mm-hmm. and so it kind of fails at being a good design. In but it's, when in fact it fails it actually... at
1: being a functional design. Yeah. But But I isn't mean, that part of good the, design? At the time, it was a revolutionary like technology to be able to do that chair, like Werner Panton had to go to a lot of factories is to it, find someone who would make that chair.
0: Is it injection molded? It's uh I think
1: I'm not sure if it was injection molded initially, but I believe that it is now. I, I don't remember the process. Okay. Um, initially it might've been injection, but I think it had to be reinforced in some way. Hmm. I know that now it kind of has like ribs underneath, like right. where, where the knee breaks. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, um, I just think it's so interesting because like any sort of interior design magazine you look through, like you'll find a panton chair and it's like. Is that is it good? Like people like it. It's it has sold well throughout like it and it's iconic. It's a hey, Is I, that is it good? I think
0: I think the consensus is that as of now, good design isn't measurable. We don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I think there's some culmination of different factors that can point to a good design, but I don't think there is a analytical way to measure good design Mm.
1: yeah i don't think there's a purely analytical way to do it but i do think that it's a it's again this uh development of a type of intuition around design yeah um Mm. but i
0: yeah that was a great question rodrigo i feel like yeah we should just made the whole podcast but (laughs) (laughs) um thanks for sending it in uh, we have another question coming from Dan Knoppenberger. And his Instagram handle is at Knoppenberger. Burger with an E. Mm. He must be from Germany.
1: Noppenberger.
0: You want to read this one?
1: Yes. Uh, Dan says, after listening to the discussion about not getting the dream job right out of college at the end of episode 21, I had a question. I just graduated in May and I don't have any industry experience and I've been struggling to get interviews in and around New York, uh, in and around New York, internships, junior staff, whatever. I'm more than willing to cut my teeth for a few years to get experience and learn how to become a better designer. And do you think I'm being picky about location? I really haven't searched anywhere other than New York City.
0: I mean, this brings up a good question: Are people too? You know, we had the the last week's question of, like, getting your dream job. Or maybe it wasn't last week. It's a common thread. Mm-hmm. Um, what about getting your dream location? Mm. Some people, like, could be happy working at a coffee shop as long as they're in, you know, New York City or San Francisco or right. whatever it is.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you decided to move to New York.
0: I Yeah. I, well, it was funny. I, I remember in school I had a professor... Um, my portfolio professor said, you guys can either get, um, there's kind of two directions to go in your career, right? You can move to a city that you really love and just find whatever job you can to get by until you eventually find something. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can apply everywhere around the entire world for any job that is maybe closer to your dream job, Right. And so I took the second path. I was like, I don't really care. I, I could go anywhere in the world um, as long as I, you know, get a really cool entry-level job. Mm-hmm. And so that brought me to Texas. Yeah. And, you know, I was right out of college, fresh out of college. It didn't really matter to me. I was, like, excited to move to Texas and experience what the that uh, Texas lifestyle is like, you know.
2: <laughs>
0: um, but... Yeah, I think after a while, I realized that there was a lot of value into the the second path of like moving to a place that you really enjoy. Right. Um, so I, I mean, my my suggestion for Dan is do what I did, like get that experience in. You know, work hard for three years. You know, really build up your portfolio, really build up a lot of understanding of design, and then you have a lot more freedom to go off on your own to venture out into these dream cities that you might have yeah um i don't know what do you think
1: well i mean i i kind of think about
0: has new york city been a dream city for you
1: new york i York's, mean you
0: were raised in pennsylvania so yeah. you've kind of been closer your there's life there's
1: not a lot of work in philadelphia yeah that's that was one, that was one issue well, philly's
0: an up-and-coming city but
1: yeah. yeah um but uh new york i don't know i i visited uh new york i think my junior year of college um again reached legal uh he uh he had a bunch of friends up to his house in new jersey and we came into the city Mm, for the longest time i was like i don't want to live in new york city really uh and then i i remember um visiting and we went to the high line and it was just as the high line was opening and i just saw the city in a completely new way Mm -hmm. like completely different eyes that's kind of interesting that's a testament to the high line wow it gives you
0: because and the the high line just to inform everyone that doesn't know it's a park that was built on an old subway line, but it's uh, one of those above-ground subway Elevated lines. Elevated rail, yeah. So it's essentially a park that kind of runs through a bunch of skyscrapers. Yes. In, in a way, to someone who doesn't know the High Line.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really awesome. It's, it's um, I think what it did for me was just completely change my mind about New York because I always saw it as this very intimidating place, this place that kind of like is like claustrophobic and you think of Times Square and mm, yeah and it and it kind of exposed me to those to those hidden oases that are in the city right uh and uh you know that's when i got the bug that's when i was like oh, i really want to move to new york this this is something cuz i i had decided not to go to a city school and to go to virginia tech which is in the middle of the mountains beautiful area but um, I think after that experience, I was ready for for New York. Right. Um, and what I was going to bring up was I actually met up with a with um, a guy who reached out to me on Instagram, uh, CJ. Um, I don't I don't remember your full name. I'm sorry, but uh, but I met up with him. He was traveling. He was traveling through New York, and he wanted some advice on internships and jobs and things like that. And I was telling him the story of my friend Oscar, um, Oscar Salguero, who when I came to intern at Quirky, he also came to intern. We were in the same class together. Reed got us in. And um, Oscar couch surfed for like uh, two months. He just randomly slept on people's couches. He was so dedicated to staying in New York. Yeah. And like, And, and even, even after the internship was over, I don't remember that he had a steady place and he, but he was so determined that he was going to be in New York and he found his way. Like he, he eventually like, you know, granted he had the internship coming into it. Yeah. But I mean, he, he knew, he knew he wanted to be in New York. He knew that like, absolutely. He was going to be in New York and he figured out how to make that work.
0: I, yeah, I think I, that is a really good story. I think the advice for you, Dan, is if you know that New York's the place you'd be or you need to be and there is no other option for you, like you are dead set on New York, mm-hmm. then yeah, like figure it out. Like couch surf, go work at a coffee shop, like do whatever you have to do right, to make it happen. right. Um, but I don't know, if you are more open-minded, then maybe, maybe taking the, the more career – oriented choice is the better option
1: yeah build up build up the portfolio build up some connections mm-hmm. and then see yeah see about any opportunity because you know i like i hate to to point point this out but there's there's something that is keeping you from from getting these internships now i don't know
0: have you have you checked out dan's stuff i have not okay i haven't either
1: so I don't know if it's just because of your location currently um, or if it's, you know, something that needs to be improved with the work and the or the way that you're representing your work. But, you know, something, something's got to change. So you have to figure that out for yeah. yourself.
0: Yeah, I will say, like, Dan, if you're sitting here, like, applying all these places and you're getting no's, you're not even getting callbacks, then, yeah, like, it's time to, like, sit down and, like, Either figure out how to do some sort of side project, like start pitching your portfolio to other designers, mm-hmm. seeing, getting feedback, refreshing it. I mean, you know, you got to figure it out. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting, it's a good, it's a good conversation to have because everyone has a little bit of a different viewpoint on it.
1: Right. And apply to those fall internships. Yeah.
0: That you're, we're coming up with fall internships, Dan. You'll get something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks for sending in, Dan. Um, we had one more question from Joel. His Instagram handle is at JoelJeweldin z- <laughs> <Jule> underscore <laughs> underscore ID. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> I have no clue. About it. Uh, Joel says, what do you guys wish that you had done differently from the start? Um, and which are the most common mistakes that new students usually make? And it, I, I think Joel's alluding to what you wish you had done differently from the start of your uh college
1: experience yeah Yeah. oh man
0: or maybe earlier but i think start of understanding what industrial design was
1: right well it's funny because i didn't start out college in industrial design so i wish that i had started college in industrial design
0: as a filmmaker
1: yeah actually i think that there were a lot of valuable lessons and in, in what I did before I entered into design, but I think, um, I think one of the things that I would have done differently uh, is just be, is try to be more open. Mm. Like I found this in a lot of um, sort of uh, chapters in my life is it's often, it, it's often a little bit of a struggle um, for me to kind of push back or push down these preconceived ideas that I have about certain things okay. in order to grow and mature. Like, you know, I remember uh, my first art class in high school, and this was an art major, and they taught continuous line drawing. And I was like, "What is this? Like, I know how to draw. I don't need to do this. This is ridiculous." But later on, I figured out how valuable it was, and now right. I incorporate that into my design That's process. Your whole
0: sketching style. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I remember in design, like when I was doing the transfer studio, I kind of thought that I knew what I was doing, and then it's it. it suddenly hit me that i had no idea what i was doing yeah because it was a completely different way of thinking um, and i i just i, I think my, like being more open to to the lessons and not also feeling this pressure that i have to know exactly what i'm doing from the start that, right that there's there's you're in school so there's an openness of exploration
0: yeah i think that's great advice james i i kind of like echo that to some degree i think the thing i wish i would have done at the beginning is maybe well i wish i started instagram like as when it came out
2: well
1: when did it come out
0: oh i don't know really early but i it you know i don't think i started it too late i also don't think it's too late if you're just starting one Mm -hmm. for, for one um but i guess my Obviously, we can't go back in time, and my advice is obviously null. You guys can't start an Instagram now because it's whatever. I mean, you can. What I'm saying is like experiment. Yes. Um. Really try new things. Really try to do something that no one's really doing right now. I think it's so funny that like people will come and say like, "Oh, Instagram! I want to start a design on Instagram and start posting sketches." And I'm like, "That's awesome." yeah i completely support you but like make it your own like experiment try new things i i think it's it's every time i hear the saturation thing and it happens a lot like people will say oh i don't want to start a podcast the podcast atmosphere is so saturated there's a gazillion podcasts obviously yeah. no one will listen to like who cares go do it experiment maybe you can make some other element that's completely new right and th- i forgot to mention this in the weekly updates i'm doing this right now on instagram like it's so funny that people are like oh yeah every the instagram community is so saturated no one sees my sketches anymore well yeah you're not doing anything new <laughs> like <laughs> listen like what i'm doing right now i am building some sort of contraption so that i can do a time lapse of me sketching on the go like walking around so you see my sketchbook being static like you know it's attached to my phone yeah so i'm sketching but i'm like walking around right um i guess by the time this airs i'll have already done it but we're recording before the print's done right but yeah that's that's my prototype that i'm working on like yeah guys it's so easy to do something different like there's you're a designer apply your apply your design methodologies to every aspect of your life not just design right i don't know that, that's my that was my soapbox yeah
1: really no it's I've also, well, I I don't know uh, if you've noticed, but I've also been kind of rebranding my Instagram. Yeah,
0: you've added more graphical elements to it? Yeah. Kind of like almost a mini portfolio to say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, I don't know, it's it's so funny to me. I think that like uh, when I get a low like count on something... Uh, because essentially like, since I've been posting these new formats, I've been getting like 300 likes, which essentially equates to like a pat on the back and like, nice try. Um, so 300,
0: 300 is low for you. 300 is
1: low for me. And, uh, yeah, that sounds really egotistical right there. Um, but, but, you know, to me it's like, I don't know, something feels right about this and I want to see it through. Yeah, you know, I want to figure it out and see it through. Yeah, and I, that's that's that that's that kind of being open, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, I, it's. I think yeah,
0: I think our, our advice is the same. I mean, yours is being open, and mine is experiment, but they're almost one and the same, right? Um, and and yeah, I think, I mean, that was a great question, Joel. I, I mean, hopefully you can implement that into, or hopefully anyone can implement. it that into their life right now it doesn't have to be because you're a student or whatever
1: right right i feel like i'm constantly relearning the lessons that i learned as a student
0: i also here's another thing i we're, we're kind of going along but i i also think that if you aren't trying new things and experimenting all the time then you aren't moving forward right like if you aren't actively pushing yourself farther and farther then you're falling behind there's no standing still there's no like being consistent and like i'm gonna sketch the same thing every day for 365 days like right okay sure you'll get you'll get to a certain point and everyone will give you a clap on their hands but guess what three years down the road you're still sketching that same like thing on the on your sketchbook whatever yeah it's, it's gonna be old yeah you gotta keep pushing yourself and making new things okay yeah sorry Thanks, Joel, for sending that That in. was a
1: tirade, Nick. Uh, Stop screaming. <laughs> Stop yelling. Um,
0: but also, we wanted to uh, say that if you guys have your own questions, feel free to send those in to minor details podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and, of course, every week, we like to give a shout-out of the week. And our shout-out of the week this this week is Space
1: Goose. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Space Goose, I posted recently okay. um, about in my story... And, and is
0: this Space Goose, but Goose spelled with three O's? Oh, with three O's. Okay.
1: Yeah. So Space Goose, one word, three O's in Goose. Um, according to their, uh, their bio, um, they draws stuff and codes stuff. <laughs> they are an artist, game developer, and programmer um, from New Mexico and California. But something that they do, which I love... Um, so they're, they're, I think they're coming more from the concept art realm. Um, and so one thing that they do is they take objects from around the house and interpret those into like spaceships. Right.
0: So it's like they took a picture of a shampoo bottle and then took, took the shape of it and kind of outlined the shape and then created a spaceship.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. The, my favorite one has to be the Oxo peeler. The the green Oxo peeler that they turned into a spaceship. It's so good. It's like it's so awesome and it kind of reminds you about how much how much inspired and inspiring things there are around you. I mean, yeah. just thinking about your home and and just the amount of design work that has gone into your surroundings right you know
0: like how can you you can make a spaceship out of anything really
1: yeah but just like even thinking about the designer of the peeler like you're filling your home with like these this like these individuals work right you know um and then using that as an as a starting point as an inspiration for another creation i mean i think And this maybe could be a topic sometime, but, like, I think that, like, hip-hop got it right. Like, in terms of sustainability, we should be remixing the things around us. Oh, right. It's all about remixing. You know? It's true. Everything's a remix. And, like... And
0: Space Goose is remixing shampoo bottles.
1: Yeah. And making dope spaceships. So...
0: Check check them out. Um, Yeah. Doing some cool stuff. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed it um our music is by kiyoshi the kid and of course james has been working that youtube game mm. check it out we're on youtube our, you can see our beautiful faces yes um apple podcast google play and uh and yeah anything else are we forgetting anything no just, just like yourself.
1: and subscribe
0: like and subscribe for sure and give the thumbs up on the youtube video Yeah. and uh yeah i'm at nick p baker and i am at i drawn receipts See you guys. Later.